Good day and welcome to Film Exploration with Ash Hurry. For today's episode, episode 88, we're going to be looking into Oscar-winning films, which is the focus of season 9. And today's episode, we're going to take a look at the 2015 controversial true story, Spotlight, written and directed by Tom McCarthy and starring Michael Keaton, Mark Ruffalo, Liev Schreiber, Rachel McAdams and Stanley Tucci. Oscar-winning pictures have controversially been known to stick to one genre or two, usually biopics or dramas, and as repetitive and indeed the lack of variety may get to some people's nerves, time and time again we find out why the Oscars are sympathetic to these kind of films, these true stories, and Spotlight is unquestionably one that deserves its honour for the Academy's most prestigious award, the Best Picture Award. Now, Spotlight centers around the true story on how the newspaper outlet, the Boston Globe, uncovered this massive cover-up scandal that this involved children being consistently abused and molested by Catholic priests for a period of 50 years, and more disturbingly, the unsympathetic effort by the Catholic Archdiocese to cover it up. The story was handled by the Boston, uh, the Boston Globe's investigation team, Spotlight, a team of just four people who shook the entire Catholic Church as they attempted to take down this corrupted system that so many people seem to be involved in. And I must correct myself, earlier I said 50 years. I mean, this kind of thing is unfortunately still going on right now. And at the time, spotlights exposed them and not used in Boston or even in America, the entire world, which was a serious serious eye-opener to people who, for some shocking reason other than power of the church, simply knew and battered an eyelid to it. Lawyers, police officers, lecturers all knew but chose to help cover it up and spotlight this movie directed by Tom McCarthy, exposed the story and built you know, built these cover-ups uh, to stories, to evidence, to the investigation team and what they uncovered to the lead of releasing one of the most explosive stories in the last half century. Now, Marty Barron, who is who was the editor of the time of this massive um, story, played, you know, in spectacular fashion by one of my favourite actors, Liev Schreiber, was the man who came in fresh from the Miami Herald and previously before that, the New York Times, suggesting, you know, he came into the Boston Globe, suggested to focus on more local news to bring back a community of readers back after the millennium and suggested to maybe take a look at this Roman Catholic sex scandal that merely didn't even make the front page and was shifted by people of power from everywhere so they wouldn't see the light of day. Now, because of this spotlight crew, Michael Rosendez, Mike Carroll, uh, Matt Carroll, Sasha Pfeiffer and editor Bra- uh, Ben Bradley and Walter Robinson, the newspaper was awarded the Pulitzer Prize for their work, one of the several uh, the Boston Globe have received for its investigation journalism. And it was only a matter of time until someone decided to dramatize this incredible story and make it into a movie so the world could see it in plain sight. Now, speaking of plain sight, by the way, you can see the real spotlight team in the baseball scene in the movie. Um, behind Mark Ruffalo, you can see the real Mike Resendez, Sasha Pfeiffer and Walter Robinson in the background. As of the film's release, the only journalist still involved with Spotlight as of today is Mike Resendez, the guy Mark Ruffalo plays. The rest have moved on or gone to better things or have retired. The Boston Globe was extremely helpful during the time of filming and even had consultants on set and proved the entire production from costumes, scripts, to what they said, to the actors who played them. They had a say 
in everything and they were willing to get it as authentic as possible. The meal, uh, the real Mike Resendez said that Mark Ruffalo reenacted five months of his life and it was like looking into a funhouse mirror. Mark would often call up the real Mike Resendez and ask to utter this piece of dialogue just to get the tone right. And some days he would just sit and watch him and copy his mannerisms. Michael Keaton was actually quite apprehensive to take on the role of Walter Robinson because he had to put on a Boston accent, which is quite hard to do, apparently. But he was glad to know that the real Walter Robinson, after meeting with him at a bar, didn't have quite a strong Boston accent. The real Robinson said, my persona had been hijacked. If Michael Keaton robbed a bank, the police would have quickly hand me, have me in handcuffs, which is quite funny. So this was Michael Keaton's comeback after his, uh, well, I say comeback, his um, road to comeback, I should say, after his revival movie Birdman had just won the Oscar just a year prior, meaning that Michael Keaton was a star of back-to-back Oscar-winning Best Picture films. Although he shares the lead with a few others in this movie, but it is most undeniably that he was a title lead in Birdman. So he spent several days with the real Walter Robinson to learn how to emulate him properly. It's actually the second movie Michael Keaton has done about the newspaper industry after the 1994 film The Paper, which coincidentally was when his downfall of his career started. So the Oscar didn't do the film much justice, and it doesn't really matter. Spotlight won only two Oscars at the 88th Academy Awards. The last time a film won Best Picture and won only one other award, you have to look back all the way to 1952, when The Greatest Show on Earth did just the same thing. The film was a triumph, actually, uh, with or without any of the Academy Awards, but it did win the biggest award of the night, Best Picture. And it was quite funny because Spotlight was nominated for six nominations. It won the first award of the night, which I think was for Best Screenplay, lost all the others, and it came out on top at the end when it won Best Film. So Spotlight, much like storytelling structure, had a very bookend moment, winning the first and last award of the night. So the 88th Academy Award was controversial in the aspects that all the 20 nominees for acting for all were all white, um, which led to some stars boycotting the Oscars like Jade Pinker Smith and obviously Chris Rock giving a memorable and political opening speech at the award ceremony itself. Uh, after that, though, things drastically changed, given recognition to multicultural performances. If you ask me, I think a few of the people in there didn't deserve nominations, but you know, most of these films were based on real-life events that actually happen with people who happen to be white, like Steve Jobs, Hugo Glass, Lily Elbe, Dalton Trumbo, Michael Burry, Michael Resendez. So it wasn't all racist, just a lack of material for that year that had the opportunity to shine black performances, for, you know, in my opinion. I mean, the one performance that was actually, uh, you know, caused an uproar or snubbed, as they say, was Will Smith's performance in Concussion. But when I'm looking at the five other nominees for Best Actor... I think the decision is correct. I mean, Leo in The Revenant, who ended up winning, was phenomenal. Michael Fassbender playing Steve Jobs was absolutely phenomenal. I mean, it was my favorite performance of the uh, the entire year. He learned 100 pages of dialogue in a different accent whilst being in every scene in the movie. Matt Damon in The Martian. That was probably one that could have maybe got, you know, pushed aside for Will Smith to get his Oscar nod. Um, but it was sort of a fan favorite film, The Martian, that year. It was very popular with, you know, every demographic. So Matt Damon got a... You know, he was a memorable nomination for that. Um, but, you know, Spotlight had nominations in the acting category in both supporting roles. But I was really sold on Rachel. Mc- I wasn't. Yeah, I wasn't too fussed on Rachel McAdams getting a nomination. There was nothing spectacular about her performance. I mean, Mark Ruffalo, however, there was certainly was. He stole the show in this film in terms of acting. He absolutely nailed this persona. And we knew exactly who Michael Resendez was. So Spotlight was up against seven other films for Best Picture that night. Adam McKay's The Big Short, Spielberg's 
Bridge of Spies, Kate Blanchett's Brooklyn, George Miller's exciting revival of Mad Max, Ridley Scott's Martian, Alejandro Iñárritu's for The Revenant, who ended up winning back-to-back Best Directors after he won for Birdman, and uh, Brie Larson's Room, where she went on to win Best Actress. I mean, it was an extremely big year for film and for real-life biopics at the Oscars. I mean, personally, I was happy to see Mad Max, an action-adventure film, get a nomination, as action films are rarely recognised by the Academy. Mad Max actually ended up bagging the most wins that night with six, which which is amazing. You know, an action-adventure film winning the most Oscars on the night. With the second-highest nominations after The Revenant, who got a whopping 12 nominations. Another one is meant to be coming out at some point in 2022, so we're looking forward to that, though. So, yeah, Mad Max won the most Oscars with six nominations and got the second highest nominations behind The Revenant, but, you know, won the most. Revenant actually only won 25% of their nominations, three of them, but one of them was the long overdue best actor win for Leonardo DiCaprio. But anyway, Spotlight had the third highest win uh, with a surprising two, and we know which ones, as I mentioned before. The film was extremely well received for being bold and brave to completely being open about how they told this story. I mean, their movie was the first ever Veratis Award for best film based on or inspired by real events and people. I mean, it's on the 1001 movies to see before you die. It's considered a triumph in journalism, filmmaking, and historic retelling. Together with the film and the story that broke about this cover-up, it won an Oscar and a Pulitzer, something rarely ever done in the world of entertainment. In terms of the Roman Catholic Church's officials, many assumed this would cause a stir or something of a backlash, but it was received with positive reviews. I mean, Archbishop Charles Salishu, the uh, Vatican former chief prosecutor of uh, clerical sex abuse cases, told the Italian publication that all bishops and cardinals must see this film. Bishop Robert Barron of LA called this film very sober, very understated, and it said it was worth looking at that time again. I mean, this was a shocking film for many reasons. There was always whispers and, you know, chatter about priests who would abuse kids, but nothing was said out loud and in a room full of important people. And Boston had this massive problem and reputation and nothing was being done. And there was a study published by John J. College of Criminal Justice in February 2004 Uh, that found that 68% of priests accused of sexual abuse were ordained between 1950 and 1979. Priests ordained before 1950 accounted for 21.3% of allegations, and priests ordained after 1979 accounted for 10.7% of allegations. So the number is going down, but still nowhere near where it should be. Um, you know, what is sickening when I watch this film is the length and effort that will be taken by institutions like the church to cover up something like this. Something so immoral, it bleeds justice. I mean, it makes us question who we should listen to and who we try to protect and makes us second guess, you know, who we take refuge in, who we talk to is, is going to church, all that. I mean, it is, it's, it's tarnished people going to church, but take nothing away. They're two separate things. It's just the people involved and the way, you know, They've decided to do things, and it's horrible. The police, mayors, politicians, priests, lawyers, journalisms, you know, respected university alumni, they were all in on it, and they didn't care. And that's what this film outlines and how much uh, people knew and how much people didn't do anything about it. Spotlight eventually released the first story that's portrayed at the end of the movie called Church Allowed Abuse by Priests for Years. That was a headline. It was released in January 6, 2002. I mean, the years followed with over 600 more stories that were published by Spotlight using church documents, which proves the systematic abuse by clergies. 
I mean, the opening of the movie is extremely interesting, a great way to show the start of something to come, the retirement of one editor and the introduction of another. Now, I mentioned this earlier about Marty Baron, who's played by uh, Liev Scheiber, and I want to go a little bit more into it as well. So he was an unmarried Jewish man who hates baseball, who, according to an interview, could see what others couldn't or wouldn't see. Now, apparently, Baron, who is played by the wonderful Liev Schreiber, I just didn't want to put it out there, he's one of my favourite actors, he was fantastic in this film, said he knew little about the clergy sexual abuse stories. He didn't know much about Boston, and he didn't have any friends in Boston when he took the job. So a week before he was going to start his new job in Boston, and he was in um, Florida at the time because he was at the Miami Herald, um, he was sent copies of The Globe uh, to him his uh, flat in Miami where he was working at the time. And he saw an article, and the article that kick-start this entire thing about a father, George Gagan, who has been accused of abusing as many as 84 children. And it was in the metro section. That's like being next to the sports section. It wasn't on the front page. It wasn't on the second page. It was at the back. In fact, it was in the metro section, which is where you get your free newspapers on the tube. It was that that sort of stirred, you know, Baron to be like, okay, what's going on here? So Baron, of course, was shocked to see this. And he was like, how have I not heard of this anywhere? Then the day before Marty's first day, a writer called Eileen McNamara published a column in which she said that the attorney Mitchell Garabedian, played by Stanley Tucci in this movie, had accused Cardinal Bernard Law of the Boston Archdiocese of knowing about Gagan's behaviour and yet reassigned him knowing he abused 85 children to another church. Fucking sickening, honestly. By the way, notice how every scene, oh, just a funny thing, but Stanley Tucci, who plays Garabedian, and he has like seven scenes in a movie. He either says, I don't have time or I'm very busy, which is just great dialogue for me, just showing the urgency of what he's about. Uh, great character as well in that movie. Anyways, of course, the lawyers denied the story, and at the end of the column by Eileen, it said, the truth may never be known because the documents are sealed. And this is what pushed, or shall I say, raised Marty Barron to get this story followed. Now, Marty now works for the Washington Post as of today. I think he actually is retired now, but that's his last job. And Cardinal Law was reassigned to Rome, of all places, after this spotlight story broke out. He died in Rome in 2017. He was 86. Gagan was eventually murdered by his cellmates at the Massachusetts Correction Institution in 2003. Good for him. Get this, though. And this is what's really fucked up as well. Because his conviction for fondling a boy in the public swimming pool was on appeal and he died before the appeal had been decided, his conviction was automatically overturned. It was overturned. What a fucking joke that is. And the three justices who issued the bullshit decision noted that they were following the direction of the Supreme Judicial uh, Judicial Court and that vacating the conviction is, and I quote, customary practice of the court in this commonwealth under such circumstances. I mean, fucking hell. But anyways, that's why it's important to make these films so people are aware and so it doesn't happen again. Now, on a lighter note of this podcast, let's look at um, some of the actors who were in the running for the leads in this movie. I mean, Margot Robbie turned down the role of Sasha. I mean, both Amy Adams and Michelle um, Williams were considered, but um, eventually went to um, Rachel McAdams. And I also mentioned that Michael Keaton has, uh, was in back-to-back Oscar-winning films. Another cool little fact was that Matt Damon was considered for Mike Resendez, but that role went to Mark Ruffalo. And Ruffalo was nominated for Best Supporting Actor, as I mentioned before, but Damon was nominated for Best Actor for the role he passed on the same year for The Martian. So that's actually a pretty interesting, quite little twist there. But yeah, I won't, I won't talk about the obvious links in this movie, the MCU universe. I mean, every other actor has been in the universe. In fact, most of the people in this movie has been in the Marvel universe. I'm not even going to go on about that. 
Uh, Liev Scheiber, though, who plays the title character in Ray Donovan, a series I recommend you watch. Really good. It's set in Boston, and his character is that he's molested by priests, and his brother is a member of SNAP, the survivor's network of those abused by priests, which is mentioned in Spotlight. The Tom McCarthy, the director, he casted Jamie Sheridan due to his performance in Sirenia, which has um, uh, George Clooney, great film. It's a really good film. I would definitely recommend it. Um, but it's interesting how these actors get casted. If you've seen a film or if you write for the role or other actors pass it, it's always interesting to see how those actors get landed these roles and how perfect they are for it as well. But an interesting fact about Rachel McAdams' nomination, she was the only Best Supporting Actress nominee that year who was from a Best Picture nominated film. The others, their films weren't even nominated. Jennifer Janet Leigh was a Hateful Eight, wasn't nominated. Rudy Mara's Carol, that wasn't nominated. Kate Winslet's Steve Jobs somehow wasn't nominated, which I thought was a travesty. Uh, my favourite film of the year, that was. Uh, the eventual winner was Alicia Vikander, who I love, for The Danish Girl, which I was shocked about. The film didn't even get a nomination considering the subject matter. And that nomination was an insult on its own because she should have been nominated for Best Actress for The Danish Girl. I mean, she's basically the star of the movie behind Eddie Redmayne. But they told her she'd have a better chance of winning if she was in the Best Supporting category. Um, They were right, but, you know, still wrong. Anyway, I'm getting a bit off track there. But Spotlight, yeah, the obvious and central themes of this movie goes to one simple thing, and that's hard work, and most specifically that doing the work is valuable, doing the work is necessary. Collecting all the facts is the only way to ensure that justice is done and that those who have unfortunately suffered from this cover-up will see some light at the end of the tunnel. I mean, the film survives its run in time by simply telling the story, just like the team of Spotlight did. There is no, there's no flashy direction, no over-the-top dialogues or expressive, ridiculous actings or amazing jump cuts or action sequences. This film is composed, expressive, without being over-the-top and solid in terms of raw storytelling. Spotlight is a genuine example of what an Oscar-winning picture should be, an inspirational story on how people try to break this corrupt system that people were simply batting an eyelid to. Important people were doing that. And one thing it does without question is highlighting the power of journalism, which, when done correctly, is all about telling the story right and trying to break the corruption that we have, unfortunately, too much of in this world. I mean, the performances are comprised with talent and subtly to really lure the audience into this story. It goes without saying that every department of this movie and evidently the Spotlight team worked hard on producing the end product and the most prestigious awards recognized them, the Pulitzer for the Boston Globe and the Oscar for the makers of the Spotlight team or Spotlight movie, should I say. But that's all I have time for with Spotlight, a great movie in all levels. And if you haven't seen it yet, it's currently on Netflix, the UK version. If you have already, uh, watch it again. It's a great film. It's really, and look at the article as well. It's absolutely uh, fascinating. A great read, which Mike Resendez actually wrote. And he wrote in about three weeks over his Christmas holiday. But anyway, please subscribe to me on my podcast. I'm on iTunes, Google, Amazon, and I'm on Spotify. You can follow me on Instagram. That's film exploration AH, or lowercase, or one word. And once again, thank you again for listening to Film Exploration with Ash Hurry.